Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to the Simply Vegan podcast, the show that's all about making veganism easy, fun and accessible. Brought to you by the team at Vegan Food and Living, the UK's best-selling vegan magazine, you can catch us every Tuesday and every Thursday. Well, I'm pleased to say that we can finally bring you the interview with Heather Mills. Um, She is a fascinating woman, um, as you will discover, you know, listening to the interview. Um, So much knowledge, very intelligent. Um, She's worked on so many projects. She had, you know, three businesses by the age of 20. Really, really interesting and inspiring story that she has. Also slightly controversial. But, you know, she's not afraid to express her views. So I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Heather Mills, activist and founder of V-Bytes. Welcome to the show. It's really good to have you on today. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, we had a few mix-ups, didn't we? But we got there in the end. You're obviously a very busy lady. (laughs) Yeah, a lot lot of travelling. And it's, it's hard to find anywhere where there's a bandwidth for two minutes. Um, yeah. other than a toilet but then you're going to get lots of uh, background noise of yeah. flushing which is not that attractive <laughs> not ideal no well I mean so many people have heard of you but I don't think a lot of people realize what a kind of an extraordinary life you've had I mean I know I didn't until I sort of started to do my research um, I mean for a start you built and sold three businesses by the age of 20 how how on earth did you do that well um <laughs> It was survival originally, and it was um, my mum left when I was nine. Obviously, from my accent, you can tell I'm a Geordie. Um, Even though I'm very, very travelled, it gets stronger every time I go up to the factories. But I tried to speak Langsam slowly uh, on my travels so people can understand me. But, yeah, my mum left when I was nine because my dad thought he was a reincarnation of Richard Wagner, the opera composer. 
and he was totally nuts and he was the chairman of the theatre royal in newcastle um and we didn't see her for about three or four years and then he got himself in a lot of financial trouble trying to fund an audiovisual presentation and an animated film of wagner's ring and eventually went to prison and then my mum turned up who we hadn't seen for years and said right it's either going home in Newcastle or come and live with me and my partner. So we moved here with him. He was a West End theatre actor who didn't really want kids around. So I ran away when I was a teenager, um, lived on the streets for about six months and then got a um, a home in a travelling fair. And then the guy that was really like my big brother died of a drugs overdose, which is why I never, ever tried drugs in my life. And um, I eventually basically thought my dad might change when he came out of prison, but he didn't. And I was sitting in a dentist and I saw these things called stick on bras. And I had really big boobs that were really annoying in sport because I was very athletic. So I used to sort of strap them down with black masking tape. And because um, my mum wasn't around, we didn't know much about bras. Yeah. And um, and I started um, selling stick-on bras in A, B, C, D, E, Cup, and eventually sold that as a, a licensed franchise, um, made a lot of money, and then went on to import um, frozen yogurt when I didn't know anything about veganism, thinking that must be better for you than ice cream. And it was the Jane Fonda 1980s era. And then I sold that. And then I accidentally got involved in modeling. Um, (laughs) And then I realized that that was a basic um, nightmare of a business. So I set up a model agency to protect models from um, being taken advantage of in the industry called Excel. Um, and then I sold that and went on holiday with the husband at the time's ex-wife um, to the former Yugoslavia, fell in love with that and ended up living over in the then Yugoslavia. I mean, that is a lot for, you know, a 20-year-old to have done and been through all of that. It's just a bit mind-blowing, really. I mean, you must have a kind of inbuilt entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, you know, where does that come from? Do you think it's kind of passed down from your parents or yeah I mean I think um the mad parts that I got from my dad was the entrepreneurial side um and luckily didn't pick up the other bits and from my mum's side she was a top psychologist at the Royal Marsden Cancer Hospital in London um and she lectured and was very much a homeopath and acupuncturist she brought homeopathy and acupuncture into the Royal Marsden Cancer Hospital so my sort of side of alternate medicine and things was quite influenced by her even though she left when I was very young um, we were brought up with you know no medication and everything completely natural so that was sort of instilled in me for from a young age so um, I've got a bit of both of them you know yeah. um, I used to have the the really bossy side um, of my dad because you know I thought I knew best, um, <laughs> yeah. and now I'm now I'm I'm 54. I'm a bit more sort of laid back and think it's important to let people make mistakes and then come to you later and say, oh, actually, you know, <laughs> yeah. that was correct um, because I, I made loads of mistakes when I was younger. So as long as no one's going to hurt themselves, I think it's important to make mistakes in life. So yeah, I just. 
um, I'm a problem solver, I would say, which incorporates being an entrepreneur, but it doesn't necessarily have to be entrepreneurial. You know, it's do you call charity work entrepreneurial, you know, um, outside of, of business? It's, it's more about that's the problem. This is the solution. We don't want animals to be killed. We don't want the environment to be harmed. We don't want people's health to continue to deteriorate. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can do that by creating things that are going to facilitate that. But at the same time, um, only if we create the solutions do those things have any chance of evolving and having a, an effect on us. So I can't bear it when I talk to people and they go on and on and on about an issue and I say, yep, you're right, yep, yep, and yeah. what's your solution? Yeah, and exactly. what's your solution? And they're like, oh, uh, well, <laughs> it, I don't need to have a solution. It just, it, that's what's going on. And I went, yeah, we know it's been going on for ages. What is your solution? Yeah. So I think I'm more of a problem solver. I don't see any boundaries. I don't see any walls. Um, I take risks. I don't worry about what people think. Um, you know, that with, you know, sort of government levels and things. And I think if you want to make a difference, you have to sort of park that to one side and say, look, what am I trying to achieve here? Yeah. And yes, you're going to upset people. Um, but as long as it's not harming them, it's, it's, it's for the greater good, then you just have to, you know, go on your path and, and get on with it, but also keep your ears open. For, for learning along the way because we all think we know it all but I've really learned the hardest way to 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 realize that things are not black and white Definitely. and you have to fix things in different areas you know when we got the dog and cat fur ban in the EU I had to work with the furriers and with what people call you know the opposition to create a situation to create the law by saying okay you might not care about um fox mink and sable but surely you care about dog and cat just to get them to vote on our side for consumer duping because people yeah. were wearing dog, dog and cat and they didn't know yeah. so it's just you know working out always put your mind in the head of the opposed because yeah. if you don't you don't create any solution and you bring about zero change just shouting and not understanding yeah. how do you satisfy them that's brilliant advice so you're in you what was Yugoslavia you're not vegan at this time are you and you get into charity and um, campaigning Um, and then it was when you came so you came back to the UK after living there and yeah bizarrely I should have lost my leg out there in the landmines and the war yeah that I was working in on the front line for for years but I came back and crossed the street, a piece of motorcycle, chopped my leg off, crushed my pelvis, punctured my lung and split my head open. And they told my family, say goodbye four times. But, um, you know, fortunately for me, I came back. I don't know about fortunately for some of my family. They probably, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, um, no, I'm joking. And, um, and, and I was lying in bed and my girlfriend said, you've got to go vegan. And I was like, what on earth is that? I was 25 year old. Geordie sausage and mash girl and didn't I was as um, ignorant as everybody else that had never understood veganism and I just thought it was you know 1960s hippies with hairy armpits and Birkenstocks I didn't I didn't (laughs) think anything else 
Um, and and then I learned, you know, I went off. He, I'd been in hospital five months. Um, oh, infection in my time. leg. They kept amputating my leg more and more. And then I went, um, and I thought I'll try anything. So I was like, vegan, schmegan, whatever it is, I couldn't care less. Just let me try. And she took me to Hippocrates, uh, which was extreme vegan for people that were ill. And I healed in two weeks on wheatgrass and sprouts and juicing and, you know, garlic poultices everywhere. And then I wrote a book about it that went to charity and funded um, more things and started to study it more and more. Um, and then realized that, you know, I needed to start creating products if I was going to be able to go out and not just be given the chef's delights of grilled <laughs> vegetables and sorbet. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I thought I need to set up restaurants. I need to set up, you know, places you can go. I still wanted to eat a burger. I still wanted cheese on my pizza, but I just didn't want to harm the animals, the environment uh, and my health. So that's when I started developing all the products for V-Bytes to create solutions. So I developed the first McDonald's uh, plant burger in 2003, took that over to Chicago. They said it was too early. Um, And when the head guy, Jim Skinner, would leave, then Mike Roberts and Mike Donahue would implement it. Um, They were taking way too long. So I went to Burger King and presented um, the plant-based Whopper um, to RBI in Zurich and started that process of getting them to get into the vegan sector um, and just went behind the scenes and and showed the uneducated food sector that actually there was a demand for this, mm. not focusing on the environment, focusing on the only thing they care about is their margins and EBITDA and showing that there would be a demand. And it took years and years and years, and that's the stuff that I do behind the scenes, Um, a bit like with the government, you know, trying to influence them a lot to start moving into, you know, creating more healthy food in the NHS and in schools. And there's so many simple, quick, easy solutions, but it's just like moving a massive corporate ship and V-Bytes is very much a, you know, a bunch of pirates that just jump all over the place trying to make a difference. But you've got to be able to communicate with the corporate people and you've got to be able to give them solutions uh, financially. Otherwise, it doesn't work because they don't care less about the environment. They don't care less about health or the animals. They just care about money. End yeah. of. So you have to make them richer with healthier food. It's a sad state of affairs, really, isn't it? But hopefully the next, hopefully the next generation like your generation will be the people that influence and get into power to make change and don't get dictated to um, by, you know, huge corporates literally do what's right and what helps the, you know, the country. If they'd listened years ago and, and invested in self, in, in self-sufficiency and procurement, we wouldn't have this food shortage that we have. We wouldn't have the dependency on petrol and gas. They would, they should have, you know, been investing in these sectors decades ago so you came to veganism through sort of health but then you said you sort of read up on it and everything so did it sort of become much more about the animals after that or were you always like an animal lover before I was always an animal lover but like everyone I didn't connect the meat on my plate to the cow in the field it was just literally 
you know, it's it's a bit like people who run around seeing the love animals with dogs and cats and then they've got a fur coat on. It's like, yeah. well, you obviously don't. <laughs> but I was one of those naive people once and I basically, you know, ate meat and fish and never really liked cheese, luckily. Um, was a bit of a chocoholic. And, um, and then when I healed myself, of course, then I went vegan for health. And then I started to look and go, oh, I'm not eating that cow in the field. I'm not eating it. And it really started to to sink in. And then I started studying and getting involved um, with the United Nations and World Health Organizations and things and then started learning about the environment and the causes of it. And this is decades and decades ago and, and working behind the scenes and just being called the nutter all the time because <laughs> You, you were pointing out the truth and the easiest way to put you back in your box was to say she's crazy yeah. rather than um, actually we're, we're right, she's right and, and so are the people working with us but we don't want to change so let's just make her out to be the crazy so we can justify not changing. Yeah, obviously people perhaps weren't ready back then but hopefully they're more open to the uh, conversation right now. <laughs> Well, they are now. I mean, I speak to the government a lot. Um, things are changing. You know, I created the the highest strain of algae in uh, 15 years ago because I realized a tiny percentage of vegans couldn't convert a short-chain fatty acid from flax to a long-chain fatty acid. So I said, we need a solution for that. And I couldn't <laughs> believe how many people think omega-3 comes from fish, and it doesn't. It comes from the algae the fish eat. So yeah. I thought we need to shout about that. So we set up the omega-3. Um, and an algae plant, which every one and a half tons depletes CO2 by 2.5 tons. And now the government are really excited about that and want to start looking at how can we do more of that in the UK. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, I create so many vegan products that are now huge in America um, because the UK were just not interested. Mm. You know, the consumer was. Yeah. But the government had no interest in supporting manufacturing. So when we could have been the suppliers of the product to Burger King and McDonald's, the government and the banks wouldn't support us. And our little factory that we had in Corby certainly wasn't big enough to do it. So we had to, you know, hand that, you know, to America and other mm-hmm. countries, which is a real shame because that could have been huge business for the UK. Yeah. So it's a different situation now because we're, we're the largest manufacturers, um, manufacturing sites in the world for vegan, meat, fish and dairy free. So yeah. it's another world now, but it was a hell of a journey and um, 20 hour days, seven days a week and mortgaging the house and putting everything on the line to make it happen. But it was worth it. Yeah, well done for sticking with it. Um, so you kind of, you know, you were to heal um when your leg you know kept getting infected you were kind of went ultra ultra healthy you were you know like you said you were having wheatgrass and smoothies and all this have you kind of kept that kind of diet because it was there's kind of like a a difference isn't there between like v-bikes is obviously the more I don't want to say processed because obviously that that implies that it's unhealthy all 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 the all the v-bikes is any um alternate meat fish and dairy are, are just healthier junk food yeah so you know that don't harm the animals the planet and the environment and don't do any major damage to your health as meat and dairy do but they're not you know the ultimate nutrition so 
but they are the solution for junk eaters. Mm. And whether you're a junk eater daily, three times a day or once a week, that is your alternate go-to rather than meat and dairy. But it's obviously not your ultimate. So what we've done literally with millions of people around the world now um, is shown that there's a process um, and stages. If you're seriously ill, you go immediately to clean, clean, vegan, sprouting, wheatgrass, all that. If you're a person that lives off McDonald's and Burger King and you are addicted and cheese is, is, is an opiate, then you move to vegan fast food to replace mm-hmm. it. Then your metabolism changes, your taste buds change, and you eventually wean yourself off it and start introducing healthier foods. And that's the process that works because you're taking yourself off drugs, basically, yeah. um, and giving yourself, um, you know, a temporary situation and then you find that you go from having meat free uh fish free dairy free alternates to um from three times a day to once a day and then you find you go down to three times a week as you introduce lentils and beans and quinoa and vegetables and your taste beds get used to it so it's a transitional thing which is why the term we came up with flexitarian um came about and then eventually you find you don't want any alternate meats. You're into the entire lentils, beans, and thing. But then, and this is where nothing's black and white, if you are somebody, and usually it's over the age of 50, but you do, as in yesterday, I went to pick up a quinoa salad and I asked them not to put any cauliflower in. And the lady said, why? And I said, because I can't um, process fructans. And she went, neither can I. I'm on the FODMAP. I really have trouble. And being um, having to follow a FODMAP lifestyle because you don't have enough hydrochloric acid and digestive enzymes and your microbiome is messed up for high stress or previous antibiotic use mm. through illness um, and a number of other reasons, then a vegan diet is a nightmare. It's so yeah. difficult to follow. So you have to you know, follow like the Monash FODMAP University so that you can really eliminate uh, things to find out if you are sensitive to fructans or mannitols or sorbitols or oligosaccharides or whatever. So then I went, holy moly, now I'm going to have to come up with recipes um, <laughs> that I can actually digest because vegan saved my life and saved my leg uh, for 30 years. But now I have to eliminate things and reset my microbiome and do all sorts of stuff because I had a burst appendix. My gallbladder was taken out. I had Lyme's disease. You know, things come along that you think you're on a path of perfection and something slaps you in the face and suddenly all you can eat is potatoes or white rice or things and looking at beautiful salads are things you can't go near. So you have to be listening to your body individually and understand how things work. But ultimately, meat is is not good for anybody at all in any way whatsoever. Um, But cauliflower, if you can't digest it, will just sit and putrefy in your colon. So you you need to really know what your body's going through. And this is for a tiny percentage of people. It's like people who are, you know, FODMAP following and celiacs and Crohn's. So what I'm working on now is FODMAP ready meals so that people can continue to follow the path of veganism 
But instead of garlic and onions, if they can't digest fructose, you know, we can use asafoetida for seasoning. We can use lots of things. But when you're new to vegan, that's like overwhelming. Yeah. So we have to continue to make fast food ready meals to help people go through their journey of understanding nutrition to keep them on the vegan lifestyle. So nothing's black and white. Um, You know, most vegans have, you know, digestive acids and of a Rottweiler, so they can like put anything down there, but (laughs) I can't digest beans anymore. So, um, you know, because of all the Lyme's disease and all the issues I've had and crushed pelvis with my colon and, you know, so there's idealism and there's realism, yeah. as I always say. So, yeah. so you might suddenly go vegan, but if you've always had digestive issues, you need to fix those first. You need to, and veganism will help you fix that, but just stay away from the vegetables that really give you lots of gas and bloating. Yeah. And um, there's plenty of nutrition in the other ones, so sort of courgettes and spinach and carrots are really neutral. But cauliflower is is um, is a difficult one unless you've got a brilliant digestive system. If you have, there's nothing better than having every kind of vegetable. But if you haven't, you can end up with massive cramps and real problems. So yeah. it's understanding that. I um I spoke to I don't know if you know Victoria Moran. She's based in the US, but I spoke to her. She's Main Street vegan. I spoke to her a few episodes ago, and she was saying that you know, it's not a good thing for us vegans to kind of uh, always feel like we, you know, that pressure to be ultra healthy and we haven't got any issues and we just eat all our fruit and veg and everything's amazing because that's not realistic. It's not like you say, it's, um, you know, it's not realistic for everybody. It's only a small percentage and it's usually one thing. It's either a fructan or a sorbitol or a mannitol or fructose, just like for other people, it's a lactose. You know, there can always be something. But if you remove it and you reintroduce it slowly, bit by bit, you find out where your threshold is. The biggest problem that new vegans have is they go from having shoved loads of meat and dairy through their colon and it's putrefied and the colon doesn't work efficiently. And then they shove a load of vegetables in it. But it's like, pouring it on top of a block sink you've yeah. got to introduce it slowly and you might have slow transit bowel movements so you're just backfilling so it's really important you make sure your you know your colon regularly moves and is cleansed and go for a colonic you know absolutely do that if you're if you're blocked because you can have the best food in your system but if it's sitting there it's poisonous and mm. putrefying and then start again and 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 freshen it out and and work out where your limits are because you know there's a lot of fiber in vegetables so you really need to go easy but people who are gluttonous and go from McDonald's and Burger King to a big salad they'll sit and eat pounds and pounds and pounds of it and their body's not used to it it has to be introduced slowly yeah that's good advice. I, I could have done with that about four or five years ago, I think. Not that I was eating burgers <laughs> all the time, but <laughs> certainly a bit of a shock to the system. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you you have had a busy life. I mean, now, am I right in thinking you're helping Ukrainian refugees? Mm. So basically, yeah, I mean, I worked in the war on the front line for years. I've worked in 
six different war zones, um, created the largest landmine clearing charity in the world, and then um, basically set up prosthetic systems, um, care and things like that. So I've worked in human security. Um, students at UCI uh, study my work um, and basically they have scholarships there for, for, for going around the world. So whenever a war happens, um, then I know a lot about it and I know how to create a lot of solutions. So I knew immediately when the Ukraine war was going to happen that the food chain supply, the obvious stuff, would be a problem. But when you provide donations, they have to tick the Ministry of Defence's every box to allow them into the country. So what I did was I created um, meat-free chunks, meal in a can with cheesy beans. So I utilised the 28 grams of protein that we have in V-Bites meat-free alternates. And then I put in the allergen-free cheese because we make all the applewood smoky paprika and Mexicana. That's all our recipe um, and we manufacture all that. So, um, you know, we, we have a cheddar and a red uh, pepper jack and all sorts of other flavours. So with the, and we do all the cheese for Domino's pizza. That's wow. all ours. Um, so most of the stuff you see, we do it private label because we're the only massive 100% plant-based facility. If it's not coming from V-Bites, it's usually coming from mixed facilities. So you have to really trace your source. Right. Um, and what's really worrying is consumers are still buying Beyond Meat and all these other burgers that have been shipped from America rather than buy V-Bites online, which manufactures in the UK and creates, you know, UK business. So, yeah. you know, you get people harking on as vegans about the environment and then they don't look where the products are coming from. Yeah. They just grab them. So that's, that's a really, point. really important thing to, to, to look at. So what I did was do a buy one, give one campaign. So it was a non-profit where you buy, and literally I wanted to do a money back guarantee because these cheesy beans are so phenomenal. It's 28 grams in a can with meat chunks. So a family of four can eat for under 10 pounds. And what it meant was we could ship out these um, meat-free cheesy beans and they had all the nutritional components that the Ukrainian refugees required, and you can eat them cold out of a can. So if they didn't have access to heating. So that's why um, I did that, because we knew there was going to be a demand. And sadly, having worked in the war in the former Yugoslavia, this war will go on for years. Mm. And because the Ukrainians are incredible providers of ingredients, there is a world shortage of gluten. Yeah. And gluten is in a lot of products. Um, so there's, there's and, you know, prices are going up because gluten's now doubled because the ingredient providers are, you know, having to pay more, but they're also maximizing the media. So you've seen it with your petrol prices. Shell have made the biggest profits in history. Um, so why our petrol prices are going up, I don't know, because their profits should be staying the same and they should just be adding on the increases because of the war. But it just shows how we're manipulated and and used um, between the media and uh, and the big corporates um, because we've known how to make electric cars and hybrid cars for years and years and years. But again, we want to control everybody with, with gas and oil and petrol. And, and this has to change. You know, it really has to change. So, 
yeah, we're doing that with the um, for the refugees. It's the civilians that are the innocent ones. Yeah, it's a desperately sad situation, and um, we need more people who are solution focused, like you. Um, do you do you kind of like plan? You know, do you have a long term plan, or do you just kind of respond to situations as they arise? Well, I mean, it's both because obviously I have to make long term plans because I've got nine businesses um, from that side. But as far as charity stuff, we have to make we have to make plans. Um, you know, for the animal sanctuaries that we do, and um, you know, for helping farmers convert from dairy farms into oat farms or into uh, pea farms or rapeseed or ensure them that they can make money for it. So we've got, you know, our day-to-day plans, but my brain works with problem solving. So when someone, when I see that we are becoming more and more vegan and dairy is going to become less and less, my concern is, um, you know, it's absolutely fantastic, but what about the farmers? Um and and you know how can we keep them in business and convert them? So in Norway, um, who were one of the first recently to take away subsidies um, for dairy farming and meat farming, which is great, the vegans will say, and it is absolutely great because now we're going to be on a level pegging in those countries. But why can't we, if they have arable land, encourage those subsidies to go to train farmers to to grow ingredients to create self-sufficiency? So that's what we've been doing. The UK are a bit slow on it, but now the government are finally listening. Um, And now we've proven that it works. You can make a 12 to 17 percent EBITDA on the same land, growing grain that can be turned into vegan product than growing grain to go into cows to feed meat or, you know, growing cows to feed dairy. So now that's an absolute proven. But it's again, it's 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 having to have spent the last couple of decades proving that they don't just believe it because they're they're ignorant and they don't want to you know upset the farmers and, and and instead people think they're getting milk cheap but they're actually paying for it out of their taxes because we are subsidizing it it is not cheap it is very expensive to make so we need to make sure all the boxes are ticked and and that's my day-to-day life usually is, you know, with a hairnet on under a, a machine that's broken down that six engineers have stood there scratching their heads about. And I'm going, well, don't you think it's this screw that's sticking out that's creating the hole in the Mac pack, for God's sake? You know, it's like, it's just common sense. I, I, you know, the government need to create common sense, life skill classes, compulsory in every school. You know, um, I had a friend of mine and my car went and I said, take my car and I'll borrow yours. The 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 the, the, the wheel's gone. Well, what do I do with it? Where do I take it? What do I? And I'm like, and this person's so highly educated. They didn't even know what to do with a tire yeah. um, or how to blow it up. <laughs> so if you don't teach those multifunctional skills, you're never going to survive or grow or thrive in life you're always going to be sitting in a box um of, yeah i think we need you as prime minister <laughs> <laughs> i think i would upset a lot of people well they all do though, I, don't they i mean I'm, i don't think anyone's particularly happy with boris right now <laughs> i know you know the thing is a lot of people who go into politics because i've been involved in politics for oh, 
since 19, but well, since the war, since 91. Um, and a lot of people do genuinely go into politics for the right reasons. But then, because it's so controlled, it's like, well, you vote that and I'll vote yours. And, and they start to, you know, negotiate on things. But at the same time, they fear the media. And our politics is controlled by the media. So until we regulate the media and stop letting them abuse and until the public stop buying that crap, you're never going to improve your country because you're just going to repeat the bullshit verbatim um, no matter what. So until that changes, until the end consumer changes in their choice in food, in their choice in in, in politics and certainly in their choice in in, in what media they, they read and believe, we're never going to improve Britain. You know, you go to places like Austria, where I, where I do a lot of work, it's a whole other world. They don't have non-stop gossip-mongering media papers. Their the country is clean. The taxes go on, you know, the right things. And we're so far behind because we're so worried about what the media say about the government, whereas we need to have a government in place that doesn't care what they say, who's honest about their past. Who cares if someone slept with someone or someone, you know, came out as gay? You know, it's fabulous. You know, they're part of real people in communities. But those politicians fear that rather than just come out and embrace it and say, yes, so what? What's that got to do with my policy? What's that got to do with anything? Does that make me, you know, unable to run the country? No, I'm human, just like you. And people who judge you, you know, and throw stones they're living in glass houses themselves so you know that's where this whole gossip mongering it's very british has to end and use that energy to problem solve make a difference get together and take no crap well thank you so much for joining us heather and taking the time out from all the amazing projects that you're uh, you're working on we look forward to seeing what you've uh, what you you come up with next and hopefully you'll be at Vegan Camp Out because I'm speaking there in July and um, taking the, the V-Bytes Airstream trailer there. So hope to see you all there. Amazing. Well, we'll see you there. Take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack. 
for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.